This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman and Jacob Brecht coming at you on another edition of the Steelers Standard. And for the first time ever doing this show together, we have our official 53-man roster for the 2021 season set in stone for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Final cuts were made by 4 p.m. yesterday. And nothing that really moves the needle, at least for me, as far as, oh, wow, I'm I'm shocked. I feel shocked about this Say guy it, getting cut. I'm shocked. I feel shocked, but I don't this time. Because there really was nothing that really jumped out at me. I guess the one that I would have to kind of stretch to feel a little shocked for is the B.J. Finney decision to move on from him and the fact that they only have eight linemen right now on their roster. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the one that's a little bit, whoa. Like, you brought in B.J. Finney after his stint in Cincinnati last year to kind of be that swing guy, kind of be a sounding board, help push Kendrick Green. Uh, he obviously lost out on the swing guy job to J.C. Hassenhauer and found himself not on the roster. I, I kind of feel like the fact that he was cut and there's only eight linemen right now, they're going to poach somebody in the next couple days that was – a roster casualty from another team uh, around the NFL. Yeah, I, I I was more concerned, or I guess I was more shocked at the fact that it was Finney who got caught in half an hour who wasn't. Mm-hmm. I would have been okay with both of them making the team. I think to I would have too. But. If you had to cut one of them, I would have figured it would have been Hassanauer, not B.J. Finney, for many reasons, including B.J. Finney actually had starting experience not just on this team but on other teams, and Hassanauer was just a backup while he was on the Steelers, nothing more. So I really don't understand it, but I think you're right. If that if this is a sign of something, it's it's definitely a sign of this is not our solution just to go with Hassanauer. Our, our other backup guy is somewhere out there. Yeah, and Dale Lawley had an interesting article today at DK talking about his guys that were cut from other teams, safeties, cornerbacks, linemen, that he thought the Steelers might target. And we can name some of those names in a little bit here on this episode. But sticking with that offensive line, and forget B.J. Finney for a second, you only have eight guys. Five of them are going to be starters. That sixth man's going to play significant minutes. So you got two legitimate backups now in Joe Haig and – I guess J.C. Hassenhauer. The depth chart says he's the starter right now, but I assume he'll end up being the swing guy, the backup. You got Dan Moore Jr. or Zach Banner being that sixth man off the bench in that tackle spot. So you're left with Haig and Hassenhauer. If if someone goes down, I guess Hassenhauer's got any, any spot on the inside and Haig's got any spot on the outside. Right. I mean, nine offensive linemen is usually the status quo around the NFL. You could even find a team like the Steelers who – offensive line is their weakest link carry maybe 10 guys just you know try to throw as many bodies as possible at that position to make sure it can be as stable as it possibly can but Steelers going the other way with this eight is definitely on the low side no matter what kind of team you are in the NFL and I have to question is the reason that you're getting eight not just due to the fact that you're maybe looking outside to get somebody else in or did you sacrifice line depth to add a fifth running back in Benny Snell to keep Dwayne Haskins on your roster as a third quarterback? I think those are fair questions that should be raised. I wouldn't even say about the running back. I would look at the linebackers. I don't know any team that really needs 10 Ten guys, linebackers is a lot. Especially undrafted guys like Jameer Jones, who people were high on. But if I had to pick between Jameer Jones and someone like maybe, I don't know, UG3, you Yuli Gilbert, I would have much rather just said, okay, I'll keep Jameer Jones. Yeah, we've seen what they need from UG3. I mean, people were saying how he could have been a camp phenom maybe two years ago. 
and it, just nothing kind of came from him. And, and this preseason, he wasn't doing anything to, to wow anyone or certainly earn if, uh, one of those 53 uh, roster spots. But I guess he did so much so to the fact that he is not he's still on the team and a ninth lineman, offensive lineman, is not. I'm more okay with keeping someone like Benny Snell than I am keeping someone like UG3. I'll, I'll even do you one more. How about keeping a guy like Benny Snell instead of a guy like Marcus Allen? I mean, Marcus Allen, right. this is an experiment. You're trying to hybrid him up, make him a linebacker after playing safety for the majority of his career, high school, college, whatever. Beef him up a little bit, move him up in the defense. Uh, he can't stay healthy. He's dealing with an injury right now, so maybe there is a, a hope that in the next couple of days the injury, not a hope, but maybe the vision is this injury is going to be bad. We can place Allen on long-term IR. And that opens up another spot on the roster for us to go out and sign a lineman while also getting to keep Marcus Allen in the fold for just another season. But, I mean, you could, you say UG3, I say Marcus Allen. I think those are two Ps in a very similar pod, just guys that you know what you're going to get from them. What's the point of using a mm. roster spot on them? I, I'm not even fully convinced if Marcus Allen wasn't waived slash injured and he was just cut that he wouldn't clear waivers and be able to be signed under your practice squad anyway. I, I don't know if there's a lot of clamoring out there in the league for a Marcus Allen type of player. So uh, I, I looked at running backs. I looked at carrying that third quarterback. I think those are obviously um, places you can look at to why they only have eight linemen. But I, I think I'm coming around to your side of thinking more. You, you don't need 10 linebackers, and especially when you're starting four at the linebacker position and you can throw Ingram in there, too, as kind of like five starters. That's the best in football. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the best, oh, strongest unit, not just on your team, but in all of football. And your offensive line is in the bottom of the barrel and as far as the league is concerned. And again, uh, people could be saying, well, just because you have quantity doesn't mean it's going to guarantee quality. Well, I, I like to have a little quantity when it's such a big question mark. I like to have some depth going there because – Injuries are one thing. Maybe one of these guys that starts on the line just does is just sucks, and you need someone that you had pegged as the depth guy become a starter. Like a Joe Haig maybe has to start for Chooks now because Chooks falls off a cliff. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I would just like to see some more flexibility, you know, in case the worst case scenario does come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously I'm looking here at the at the linebackers more so in terms of depth. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's any a one of those mark. four guys goes down. Between TJ, I mean, obviously, the Highsmith-Melvin Ingram duo gives you some cushion room. But if you're looking at the inside position between Devin Bush and Joe Schobert, either of those guys come go down, then you have to bring in Robert Spillane. But you're not trying to bring in Marcus Allen or, or UG3. That's for, that's for certain. And even if Robert Spillane goes down, okay, then you'll have to go to one of them. But you, I don't think you need both of them. And I'll... I'll switch gears here to the defensive line, too. The Steelers decided to keep three nose tackles, five DNs. We were totally off on our prediction of who would make the team, uh, the, or at least the final 53 of, of guys in the D-line. We said it was only going to be one guy between Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis. They both made it. We said it was going to be one guy between Henry Mondo, Chris Wormley. They both made it. I don't know if you necessarily need all four of those guys on this team, but again, I think it comes down to the fact that what the Steelers saw out of B.J. Finney wasn't enough to earn that final 53 spot. No, yeah, I, I agreed. I, I think B.J. Finney just underwhelmed. I, I think that it's not a matter of uh, he didn't earn a spot on this roster. I think it was more of a matter of he lost his spot mm -hmm. on this roster. It, it ended up cutting that way. You brought up the defensive line, and we were off on our prediction. 
Eight is a lot. Just as ten is a lot of linebackers, eight's a lot of defensive linemen to carry in the NFL. I have a feeling that this is a product of Steph Tuitt's availability being such a question mark to start the season. That's why you carried the eight linemen instead of seven, because your top three, one of your top three guys, I mean, you don't know if he's even going to be in the stadium week one against the Buffalo Bills. So I think that that caution is what saw a Chris Wormley, a Bugs, a Davis sneak onto this roster as that eighth guy in the defensive line room. I know it's not the hardest thing in the world for D linemen to kind of switch positions between an end guy and a nose tackle guy, but Stefan Tuitt is one of the two defensive ends for this team. And so he, it's not like it's Tyson Alualu who is uncertain about starting week one. And then I would understand why you would keep Bugs and Davis behind him as the nose tackles at depth. But Steph Tewitt is a defensive end. So why I, I still don't understand the logic of keeping so many guys behind him when even if he does goes down, even if he's not available, you don't need four guys behind him. Well, the f thing that's funny, too, is when the Steelers go nickel or dime, they're going to only have two guys with their hand in the dirt anyway uh, on the front of their defensive line. So you're looking at Cam Hayward, obviously, he's not coming off the field. And then when he's healthy, mm -hmm. it's going to be Steph to it. So Alu Alu might not even be out there for most of the packages whenever the defense is there. They're not always going to have three down linemen up front, but. Obviously, if Tuit can't play, you have to move Alu-Alu to the outside, and he kind of takes on a de facto defensive end role. Which but I'm he, okay with that. Yeah, he played that in Jacksonville. He was drafted as that. And his um, introduction to Steelers Nation was coming in on the relief of Steph Tuit and playing that defensive end for the rest of that season in 2019 and playing it very well opposite of Cam Hayward. So he's definitely capable of doing it. And that just leads you to le keep guys like Bugs, Davis, Wormley, guys that are interior kind of guys by their trade. Because, again, I think it's just a matter of if two it's out and Alo has to bump outside, we need to throw as many bodies as possible on the inside because maybe Wormley stinks for a couple of possessions. All right, Davis, get in there. Maybe Bugs is playing better than Davis. All right, Bugs, get in there. It's just a matter of that. We knew they weren't going to cut louder milk after you sacrifice some draft capital to move up and get him. Mm -hmm. Total guy they want to have on their team is like a red shirt season. Maybe he gets some playing time towards the end of the year. But you knew that that guy wasn't going to get cut. Mondo was the one that I think really slipped through and, and made it by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin because – Again, if Tuit is full go healthy, practicing uh, mentally into it, I think that there's no chance you see eight defensive linemen on this roster. But the question mark of Steph Tuit is looming large over this team like a rain cloud as we are, what, 11 days away from kickoff against the Bills? Mm -hmm. So you, you have to be a little cautious when it comes to keeping as many defensive linemen as you possibly can. And don't be surprised that if Tuit comes back by week one, Week two, week three, he's fully into it. He's fully back to speed. One of the guys doesn't get dropped so they can add somewhere else on the roster. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that's, I think the best case scenario is that if he does come back early and then you can kind of just say, mm -hmm. well, we don't need all these guys anymore behind him because we know we have him fully available to us. Let's get rid of one of them. Whichever one, whichever one you want to, be, take your pick between Bugs, Davis, Wormley, or Mondo, I know you're lower on Mondo than you are Wormley. I, I think the diff, the disparity between them isn't that great, so it wouldn't kill me to get rid of either of them. But if you want to get rid of Mondo, feel free to do so. But yeah, I think that's a a, a best case scenario for you is if that Steph Tua comes back within that first, or not even comes back because 
it, it's hard to to describe what he's coming back from because he's not necessarily down, but we don't really know if he's down, Tom, because there's so much ambiguity surrounding his name and, and his availability. So it's hard to say if he's coming back or if he's just going to get right to it. There's There's a lot in the air that we don't really know. But if he's playing within the first month or so, and hopefully sooner, by week three, I would say, then yeah, then you can just say to one of those guys that that it's kind of hanging on for dear life, just say, we got to cut ties. We got to shore up some more depth uh, ability for us or availability for us elsewhere. We talked about the offensive line. Eight seems low for that side of the or for that unit. Uh, staying on that side of the ball, all five wide receivers that you predicted were going to make the team made mm-hmm. the team. Ray Ray probably was the only one that left any kind of doubt in your head, but with Matthew Sexton and completely imploding in the final preseason game and guys like Cody White not really showing much. It's a it, shame it about his. Sexton though because he did have he good returns and the first couple of preseason games he was making good plays and you got to be a gadget kind of guy to take ray ray's job because that's his role in the offense of course he, he's not going to really contribute much else to you and if you were going to lose someone it was going to be someone like ray ray or obviously the other four guys were, were guaranteed spots no Washington, question Juju, yeah. Claypool, Deontay. there's no question about it Ray Ray's biggest contribution wasn't just a gadget play guy on offense, but really his special teams ability mm-hmm. as a returner. And Matthew Sexton was making a case, given his returns, his long returns, 30, 40 yards in the first couple of games. It's just unfortunate for him that in that last preseason game, he had a costly fumble. And he that dropped just, another one that he recovered, but... Right. You know, Tomlin counted that as a fumble in his notebook, and you can't give the ball up if you're a kick returner or punt returner in Mike Tomlin's teams, or in any teams, really, but especially Mike Tomlin's. I wonder how it would have gone if he did that in the first game. Like if If he did that in, like, the Hall of Fame game, the two fumbles, and then improved throughout the rest of the preseason so that the recency bias would have been, oh, well, he's really taken a step forward rather than a step backward. Would that have changed the course of how things unfolded between him and Ray Ray getting a spot? It could have changed course in the negative side too, where he's a cut before even the final cut down day, though, if he fumbled in the Very true, Fame yeah. Game. So it could have cut those I didn't even ways. consider that. But all the wide receivers are, are there that you expected to be there. They took three tight ends. Ebron Fryermuth were locks. It was Gentry versus Raider. In that final spot battle, Gentry ends up winning out. You only need three tight ends, especially when you have a fullback like Derek Watt. So no need to carry Raider on your roster. The three quarterbacks, you know, it's rare for a team in the NFL to carry three quarterbacks, but it's also rare for a team in the NFL to have three quarterbacks with the potential like these guys have, especially when you look at Haskins. No one boasts a third-string quarterback in the NFL that has the quality and the potential that Dwayne Haskins has. So I get having to burn a spot on him because he probably would not have cleared waivers based on what the rest of the league saw him do this preseason. Well, yeah, I think you're doing yourself two favors by keeping all three quarterbacks. A, you're giving yourself an extra option in the case that Ben Roethlisberger does go down. You don't just have to say, we only have Mason or we only had Haskins. And B, like you said, Tom, as soon as you cut one of those guys, they're picked up. And then all of a sudden, that team now has one of the better backups, backups in the league, which is, which is obviously not 
a rare thing to happen for a team to go to their backup quarterback. So you're just giving that team an advantage by saying teams have some abysmal backups out there. Oh yeah. Abysmal horrible. I look mean, at, think look at the jets behind, right. Look at Dallas. Look at the jets behind uh, yeah, Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Look at the Colts behind Carson Wentz. The chargers behind Herbert. You couldn't name a charger backup quarterback. I think Chase Daniels on that roster. I don't really know like, many backup quarterbacks in the league. Uh, in Baltimore, I think it's uh, what's his name, Trace McSorley. I think it's McSorley. Uh, Rudolph and Haskins are better options than all of these guys. All of those so guys. teams would snatch them up in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So you got to protect Haskins, no matter which one you went without. Yeah, exactly. The other guy that was no, not going to make the team was going to be rostered somewhere else, and be the, probably the number two. Rudolph, oh, def yeah. Rudolph, definitely the number two. I think Haskins, Haskins probably think in a lot both. of places ends yeah. up being the number two as well. So you end up sacrificing a spot elsewhere to keep Haskins, but I think that is the smart move. Benny Snell Jr. and five running backs. That's one that I kind of get a little hesitant on. Five running backs seems like a lot of running backs. I know Tomlin loves the workhorse mentality. So if Najee Harris stays healthy, you're going to see almost all Najee, a little bit of Derek Watt, maybe a little bit of Anthony McFarland for some specialty stuff. But it's 95% going to be Najee. And if that's the case, I, I feel like you're wasting a spot between Balazs and Snell on this roster right now. And with Benny Snell, I mean, all through preseason training camp, he was injured. He finally was able to get healthy after camp broke, and he played in the game against Carolina. Granted, he played against some starters on that Carolina defense, but, I mean, he looked okay. He didn't look like someone that you would write home about, but he finds himself on this roster. They carry five running backs, mm -hmm. including Derek Watt as the fullback. That's one that I kind of scratch my head at as well. I think four running backs is more than enough. Four, three running backs and one fullback is is more than enough for this team. I'm yeah, I'm glad that Derek Watt made the team. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I didn't think there was a question. Did you think there was? Some, no, some... no, 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 no. But a lot of teams go without fullbacks right. nowadays. It's, right. it's it's a rare thing to kind of see a fullback, a traditional fullback, if you will. Like a lot of teams will have someone who's a little bit bigger. And just listed as a, as a running back, but Derek Watt is the typical fullback. Glad to see him on there. I'm I'm just curious, Tom, as to your opinion of why you thought it was a toss up between Benny and Balage, between one of them not making the team and one of them making the team. Because in my head, personally, I think Balage was better. I yeah, just think yeah. I just think that okay, you have Harris, he's obviously on Watt for the reasons you said, he's obviously on. Tony Mack brings so much to the table that he's obviously on. So when I said toss up in in their head, it was okay. it was between those two. Is really but the only you were spots assuming you could cut. It was going to get be it Balazs. was going to be Benny who would be cut. Exactly. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, obvious with the course of cuts going the way they did, how we're saying you would rather an extra guy here or here. Rather than keeping five running backs, yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Jalen Samuels was the odd man out as far as the backfield is concerned. The Jalen Samuels experiment has come and gone. His time in Pittsburgh is over. Kind of a miracle it even lasted as long as it It kind of is. You knew that the the uh, this guy's days were numbered when they went out and they picked Benny Snell. And they went out and they picked Anthony McFarland, right? Like, Jalen Samuels was picked as just – we need to replace the ability that Le'Veon Bell had in the pass catching game. Jalen Samuels was a great receiving running back in college. Let's just try and see if he can be a one trick pony for this offense. Now you got a guy like Najee Harris who does everything. So you don't need that one trick pony in Jalen Samuels. And by the way, I think Anthony McFarland does that trick better than him anyway, as the number two running back in this offense. So his time was just, it, it, there was just no chance. He, he was blocked out completely from this roster. 
Another guy I think, though, that might clear waivers and end up on the Steelers practice squad. I, I don't know if there's a lot of clamoring for Jalen Samuels around the league. The either. only thing that might get him signed is someone's going to say, well, he's only been in the league for three years. He was a mid-round draft pick by the Steelers. Never really got a fair shake in Pittsburgh. Let's see if we could use some receiving backs here in, in Detroit. Let's see if, if we can give him a nice run here. Th that might happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Samuel signed to the practice squad this year. I don't know who's out there saying he didn't get a fair shake, a fair chance, because if you didn't watch Hey, I'm just in, trying to turn into a GM here. If, right? you don't wanna, if you didn't pay attention to the Steelers in 2019, then you have no idea that the amount of chances he got when James Conner was down and there was no Le'Veon Bell even on the team, not even just holding out. He wasn't on the team. James Conner was out for majority of the season, and it was a, a toss-up between Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels. He got a lot of chances that year. All right, so let me rephrase. Maybe he got his one chance, and he was a rookie. So what are you going to do? You know, yeah, he's a rookie. Okay. What are you going to do about that? There, what I'm saying is there's GMs that will talk themselves into anybody. Sure, they can. I don't know if Jalen Samuels could. falls under that category. I don't think, it, I don't think he is either. I think he, he could easily clear waivers. Almost every single rookie that the Steelers took in the draft this season made the team except for one guy. And it's 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 maybe the most shocking out of all of them. The one guy who was out of the high late, late round on guys. everybody's list as far as what a steal. Dale Lawley, I remember, was like, wow, this guy was opposite of Gregory Rousseau at Miami, and people thought he was better than Gregory mm -hmm. Rousseau at Miami. Gregory oh. Rousseau, first round pick. Quincy Roche, six-round pick. Gregory Rousseau going to be starting for the Bills against the Steelers week one. Quincy Roche, maybe on a practice squad somewhere or on some other roster. Steelers deciding to let him go. I think that's just a product of Jameer Jones played so much better than he did. I think that they probably came into camp thinking, we got a guy in Roche. He can be our what Jameer Jones is going to end up being for this roster this year. And then they saw Jameer Jones play all through practice and camp, and they were like, cannot cannot cut this guy. Too good at special teams, too good in a pinch if we need somebody to jump in on defense, and more experienced than Quincy Roche is. So it's interesting that they give Roche the ax. We talked about Samuels probably clearing waivers and can make your practice squad. I wouldn't bet that that happens with Roche. I bet you a team that needs outside linebacker depth snatches up that rookie. I don't think he does either. And let's return to the conversation we were having earlier between keep the decision to keep both Marcus Allen and UG3. Why do that when you have the prospect of a young rookie in Quincy Roche? I guess the tape was just that poorly represented that and i guess that they just feel that they need more inside help than outside at this point right of course they're inside those two guys are inside he is outside and the outside has a little more depth but you could you you've had the conversation of of maybe flipping uh melvin ingram into the inside that was before joe schobert arrived so maybe no longer having that conversation but it's not unheard of for an inside guy to switch to the outside or vice versa so why not maybe try to find that niche for him there kind of turn him into an inside guy because your depth is a little less comfortable at the inside position than it is at the outside and, and he's not going to get much playing time anyway so you're not really wasting a spot there i just don't see the logic of dra choosing to draft someone and then not foregoing with him. And the one guy that we thought might be on the chopping block out of the draft class was Trey Norwood. Right. He makes the team as a safety, and I think that's just a product of, like, 
you just illustrated there's depth at that outside linebacker spot. There's not depth at the safety spot. Not a single ounce not of at it. at all. Trey so. Norwood is the depth. Is the backup. Him and Miles Killebrew. I mean, there's only four safeties I cannot, on this roster right now. I cannot blame the Steelers for deciding to, to move forward with Trey Norwood. And I don't think it's something that he earned a spot. I just think it's they need him well, in case either Minko or Edmonds goes down. Well, let's bring it into what I said earlier about how Dale wrote a big list of players that got cut elsewhere that the Steelers could kick the tires on. One guy that jumped out to me is Carl Joseph. And if you're a fan of college football around this area, you remember him from his days at West Virginia. Dale saying Steelers were very high on him when he was in West Virginia. Bit of a bust as far as the NFL career is concerned. He was let go by the Raiders. Good special teams player. Guy with starting experience that you could slide in as the backup. I mean, I would trust a Carl Joseph probably a little bit more than a Trey Norwood. So that's a name that I saw that really jumped out at me, and I said, you know what? I don't really like Trey Norwood being one heartbeat away or two heartbeats away, I guess, with Killebrew out there as well from having to play significantly on this defense. feel more comfortable with, even though he's been a bit of a bust, a veteran and Carl Joseph out there. So that's one name that really intrigued me. They only also have four defensive backs, the Steelers, or cornerbacks the Steelers do. And I think the guy at the top of Dale's list is someone that they should really be on the phone with right now, and that's Jimmy Moreland, the corner out of Washington. He gets let go. This is a guy that has spent the majority of his time playing in that slot position, playing in that nickel package. It might take him some time to get up to speed if the Steelers bring him in, so maybe not right away you see him. But as the year moves on, maybe you see Jimmy Moreland kind of work his way into the fold more and more and just help with that depth. The, the defensive backfield depth is a little concerning. Yeah, You have to admit that. And I think we talked about maybe going out and getting a lineman. I think that's on the like Forrest Lamp from Buffalo was the guy Dale mentioned. That's a guy that you could bring in, a guard, help there. I think the depth in the defensive backfield should be the one that you address more mm -hmm. so than offensive line. Though. Especially now since two guys who we thought, who we predicted to make the final 53, and Antoine Brooks and Arthur Millette How both about didn't make it. How about that? I mean, those two were obviously the musical chairs options, what's going to happen with Sutton and uh, Pierre. Obviously, that was a chance at the beginning, but the Steelers didn't want that to happen. They were very vocal about that, and Brooks got the first crack, and Mollette was number two on the depth chart, and both of those guys did not make it. You can't categorize that other than just an utter failure than the guys that were supposed to be the slot corner, and that's probably the biggest negative you can take away from Steelers mm -hmm. camp is that those two guys weren't only able to grab that slot corner job. They weren't even able to grab a 53-man roster spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just did a couple days ago our winners and losers of training camp. We included Antoine Brooks on that list. Had we done Prior, that segment, yeah. had we done that segment today after the final round of cuts, no doubt Arthur Millette would have also made it on that list. And you talk about guys who make the final 53. It's either you earn it or you lose it. Both of those guys clearly lost that potential, lost that spot. Punter battle was finally decided as well. Jordan Berry ends up getting the axe. Presley Harvin the third will be your punter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen, in a battle that was probably a tie, I think the tie goes to the younger player, the guy on a cheaper contract, the guy on a rookie deal, and the guy we just used some draft capital on. Mm -hmm. And that all of those as I point mean, to you Presley. say you say draft capital. It's as little as draft capital as you could it's possibly. It's still a pick use. though. It is. And the reason they picked him is because, again, there's a lot of interest on him around the league. You don't want him getting out there in a free agency and losing him based on a bidding war. So you draft him so you have his rights no matter what. He ends up beating out Jordan Berry. 
Listen, Jordan Berry had a really good training camp and a really good preseason, but I think Steelers Nation knows what Jordan Berry is, and I, I think that they're pretty ecstatic. I'm not granting Presley Harvin is the next Pat McAfee, but they're pretty excited to see at least a fresher face back there trying to drop punts in for the Steelers this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problem with it. This is, I think I, I saw somewhere that it said the last 15 guys, and that now includes Presley Harvin, to be punters drafted have all made their team at of their rookie year, of course. And you got to think that that has something to do with like, selfishly a GM cuts a punter that he, he drafts, people are going to criticize him. So you got to wonder if GMs are like, mm, maybe I don't want to open myself up for that criticism. Maybe there. that's possible. But I think another determining factor is the fact that punters, there's, there's elite punters and then there's every other punter in the league. And if you go out and decide to use some former draft capital on your punter, that has to mean something. One last thing I want to slip in here. Got to give the local shout-out to the long snapper, Christian Kuntz. <laughs> Duquesne man, like myself, making the roster as long snapper. You've heard Kuntz's name a lot in the past couple of years. He's been in a preseason uh, member of this team, has just never been able to make it to the final roster. There he is. He finally beats out Cam Canada and is the long snapper. So good for you, Christian Kuntz. Duquesne proud. And all of Pittsburgh will be rooting for the local storyline there. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. On the next one, the Steelers release not only their 53-man roster, but their initial depth chart for the start of the season and some interesting moves made on that depth chart that we'll dive into. Joe Hayden's contract also making some noise this morning as well. So we'll discuss that on the next episode of Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman, and thank you all for listening to Steelers Nation Radio.